Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. We're awaiting the arrival of one Sid Hartman through the snow. Away he goes. Uh, Mike Max, Dave Mona with you. Brian Lawton, not far away to talk about the NHL and all that's going on. 651-989-9226. If you have a question or a comment, 651-989-9226. We'll keep the phone lines open and use the phone lines uh, more often and active as you've been snowed in today. We're right there with you, and uh, it's still coming down here in downtown Minneapolis, although the traffic is picking up a little bit as I look out the 7th Street window here, and I can see that people are starting to move around a little bit and get activated, but give us a call, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. We can talk about the Timberwolves trade, uh, what the Minnesota Wild may do, the Twins' possible trade, the Minnesota Viking season and the off season as they head towards making some moves there and making some difficult decisions perhaps with their personnel uh, and on and on. Uh, even the Minnesota United have a um, press conference today. They've got a new player that I understand played very well yesterday in an exhibition game. Uh, they'll unveil that at 12.30 today, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226 if you want to join in. Uh, on the conversation as we move through the day. Uh, last week's Super Bowl, of course, happened after we were off the air. Uh, Dave, pretty good football game. Uh, obviously, what happened in the fourth quarter, uh, the, the way Kansas City came back and, and scored 21 points will be uh, long remembered. But overall, pretty good football game, and I thought that the best two teams probably were playing in the Super Bowl. Yeah, Mike, I had the same feeling. And then I also thought, why should we be surprised with that finish? We had talked for two consecutive weeks about Kansas City's ability to come back, and they absolutely demonstrated at the end of the game it was a phenomenal finish. But better than that, it was an entertaining Super Bowl game. And You know, we've seen about a third that had been terrible, a third that we were all right, and maybe a third that were really good, and I thought that was a really good game. Yeah, and uh, and I think that if you're a Minnesota Viking fan, you can see what's missing in the Vikings. You know, offensive line we talked about before. They're not they're not a long ways away, but they're certainly not where San Francisco and Kansas City are. No, you look at that and you say, what kind of moves do they need to make? And you know, they've got some big decisions coming back at the end of the Kirk Cousins three year era. This is the third year coming up. Is he a quarterback you can win with? You look at the the offensive line, which has been an ongoing problem, and can they build an offensive line fast enough? And then they've got really major salary considerations. We've talked about some players whose names we've gotten used to, Pro Bowl credentials, and do they have enough money to keep them on the team? Yeah, and I, in talking to people that I know, I think that Xavier Rose would be the one that they probably would part with first. Everson Griffin, they could uh, try to make him a pass-rushing specialist and reduce his salary again. Uh, Linval Joseph sitting right there in the middle. He's a good football player. The question is, how do they value him uh, versus the guys that are behind him? I think those will be their first three decisions, and they'll go from there. Phil Eston, you have found us. Uh, we apologize. We were dialing the wrong number there. Uh, Athletic Director of the University of St. Thomas, so we, we thank you for calling in. Uh, Phil, let, let's start with, give us the status report. As we sit here in February of 2020, uh, where does the University of St. Thomas stand going forward right now? And we'll work off of that. Yeah, sure. Well, good morning, guys. I appreciate the uh, the time today. It's only uh, kind of a snow globe out there right now, but, um, you know, we're looking forward to the, to April. Um, 
as we can we came out of the convention this last winter with a lot of positive uh energy a lot of progress kind of made in our status um the division one committees talked about whether or not you know st thomas would be a good fit as we uh, look to reclassify directly from division three to division one and again um taking a look at that process whether whether they're looking at new legislation or the waiver that we kind of sought in October, uh, there's not a lot of de- debate or dispute about whether or not St. Thomas would be a good fit at Division One. They're they're really trying to nail the process to make sure that this process is right, uh, that it sets the right precedent moving forward, and that it's something that they can manage in the future should something like this ever happen again. You know, Phil, uh, I was just looking in January was your one-year service anniversary, kind of a whole home initial year. I hope the pace hmm. picks up a little bit in, in year two. Uh, when yeah. you talk about Division One, you know, one, one sport that comes up again and again is what would you do in hockey? Because some of the, the leagues that look like they'd be a good fit from a football standpoint don't offer hockey. Has there been discussion, might you go two different directions and with more than perhaps hockey even be involved if that were the case? Yeah, Dave, that's a, that's a great question. As, as we take a look at this, we do feel – uh, that the Summit League is a great fit for us. And, and we sponsor 22 sports right now. Uh, the Summit League offers 19 of those 22 sports. The three that they don't, are, of course, are football and men's and women's ice hockey. And so we've taken a look at affiliate memberships for those three sports and feel really good about our position uh, uh, where we are with the Pioneer Football League uh, as we take a look at whether or not that's a good fit for us. I've had great conversations with the conference, of course, um, we're going to wait and see uh, how the NCAA kind of plays this out over time. Um, the, the women's WCHA Hockey League looks like it could be an option for us among a couple of others that we're taking a look like, or excuse me, taking a look at. Um, but that's a really good option. And on the men's side, there's a couple of good options as well. Um, the WCHA is certainly one. Uh, you know, the NCHC is a great uh, conference on this side of the country, um, and there are some others too. And so we're we're kind of letting that landscape play itself out a little bit, take a look at where we might fit best. Um, I think it's important to also remember that um, we don't necessarily get to choose what direction we're going to go. We need to seek an invitation from whatever league we think might be a good fit for us. And so working closely with those commissioners and the different groups in those leagues uh, to ensure that St. Thomas is a good fit for them, that they might be um, you know, what, what we're looking for out of a conference as well. But we do need to seek an invitation and ultimately secure that invitation wherever we where we uh we decide to, to, to move. Uh, Phil, last year I ran into you and Pat Chambers, the head coach at Penn State. They yeah. beat the Gophers yesterday, and uh, they've yeah. got a nice top 25 basketball team there. And, and you two were together at the, at the Final Four having a breakfast or lunch there, and, and, and we sat and talked for a while. And, uh, you know, you, you've had time at Penn State. What did that do for you? What did you learn during that period of time? Uh, you know, obviously it's not like they were making a transition to Division One, but you certainly get a pretty good peek behind the blanket of, of how they run their operation. Yeah, you know, first of all, I'm really happy for Pat. I, I know um, it's been it's been a long time for him there. Uh, Penn State's been really patient with their basketball program. He's made progress every single year, um, and you know they've got a nice team in State College right now. They sold out yesterday, which is a big deal for them. Uh, really, really happy for the progress they're making. And you know, when when we moved to, to Happy Valley, we were at Berkeley uh, for a while before that. Of course, spent several years in Minnesota, so had an opportunity to experience successful Division One athletics and. Penn State was an interesting time. It was a couple of years after uh, Coach Paterno had been moved out of uh, the football uh, coaching position and the Jerry Sandusky um, uh, your situation had kind of developed. It was about three years after that. And so for us, it was much about as much about rebuilding brand as anything, uh, that reputation of, the, of Penn State University and what that reputation was like locally, regionally, nationally, uh, and the impact that that had on intercollegiate athletics. That was really important for us. 
Um, and so, you know, for me, it was really taking a look at what the long-term vision was and then stick, making a plan to get there and sticking to that plan. And of course, there's speed bumps along the way. We're experiencing those a little bit right now. Um, but if we have a vision, we feel good about that vision. And there's a lot of support for that. You know, Penn State, there's a lot of support for our vision here. There's a lot of alignment and supporting the classification to Division One. So we've got that plan. We need to stick to it. And I think that's a really important piece of that. Phil, how was how recruiting impacted? Because there's there's this lack of solid information on, you know, if you come in as an athlete, what your future is going to be like, where are you going to be playing, at what level? Uh, how are you how are you balancing all of that? Yeah, you know what, what's interesting, Dave. You know, a couple of a couple of pieces to that. One is uh, we've got a lot of student athletes on our teams right now that are, from a talent standpoint, the caliber of Division One student athletes. Uh, they've they've chosen for whatever reason to compete at St. Thomas, but many of them have had opportunities to play at other Division One institutions or have transferred from Division One institutions. So we do have some of that um, level of talent right now across some of our teams. Uh, but secondly, you know, I'll say. Um, almost to a sport, uh, we've had great interest from uh, what, what I might call some Division One talent, um, whether those student-athletes are looking at um, other schools in the Summit League or other schools in the Horizon or the Missouri Valley Conference, whatever it might be, but we've had some interest. Um, and, you know, a lot of them are, are waiting to see how things kind of play out a little bit. Some of them are already committing, uh, verbally committing. Um, but I'm pretty excited about it. You know, we've had success competing at a very high level, uh, in Division Three, and that's a framework that our coaches have had to develop, and they're taking a look at what tweaks might need to be made to be competitive at the Division One level, whatever framework that might look like. And so, uh, you know, Dave, right now we're pretty optimistic that um, recruiting should should continue to be successful for us. Um, you know, maybe just at a little bit different level. You know, Phil, I, I don't. It, most people, when we think of uh, uh, Division One basketball, we think of you know fourteen thousand Williams Arena, et cetera. You forget that most. Uh, Division One basketball programs play in much smaller arenas than that across the country. It's not all the Big Ten. Do you have the facilities in place to facilitate that, and is there a, a minimum or a baseline that they use in terms of what you have to be able to do, and will there be upgrades involved? Yeah, Mike, that's a great question, a question we get pretty often. And, you know, uh, Steve Fritz and, and leadership at the University of St. Thomas over the last decade have done a really nice job of investing in the facilities that we have. And I'd say uh, – you know, generally, our facilities are in pretty good shape. There aren't any requirements or minimums that we'll, mean, we'll need to meet as we make this transition. You know, I will say that um, from a, let's just take basketball as an example, as the example you used on the front end. Um, once we get to a point where we're filling uh, our arena with regularity, then, then we might take a look at what something else might look like. But until then, until we're filling uh, the football stadium or the basketball arena or the baseball stadium or the soccer you know, facility with regularity, uh, let, let's make sure it's the best environment that we can make it, make sure our student-athletes have the very best experience that they can have, uh, provide a fan experience unlike any other um, in the facilities we have. And, and once we get to that point, then we'll look beyond it. But there's nothing that, that says we have to do anything. Um, it's all a matter of resources, as you know, uh, and then what we think we need we need in order to be competitive recruiting and competing. So there was a discussion off and on about whether or not you could play occasional or regular games uh, at the new soccer facility, which would give you about 20,000 seats. Do those discussions uh, continue, or what's the status of that? You know, we had a great experience at Allianz Field. Uh, yeah. And, you know, the United uh, folks have been were absolutely fantastic. And, and I'd say our student-athlete experience was great. From what I understand, the fan experience was, was really wonderful. Uh, certainly something that we may look at from an episodic standpoint, maybe a neutral site game 
or, uh, you know, a home game away from home uh, on occasion. I do believe, though, that the more we can play on campus, the more that we can play when our students have pretty easy access to the facility and we're bringing people back to campus. You know, we went through this at the University of Minnesota when we moved from the Metrodome uh, back to campus. And, and a lot of that is bringing alumni and fans and others back to campus to experience the great things that are happening at the university. So the more that we can play on campus, I think that's better for us. Um, but it certainly was a great experience, Dave. And, you know, whether it's at Allianz or Target Field or U.S. Uh, Bank Stadium or whatever might be in town, we'll certainly look at, um, you know, some other options as we move forward. But we'll do as much as we can, St. Paul. Phil, appreciate it very much. Be careful in your travels today. You got it, guys. Hey, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. <laughs> Phil Eston, University of St. Thomas Athletic Director. Let's see if we can sneak in one more phone call before we go to break. Let's go to Scott in Fargo. Scott, you're on the Sports Huddle. Hey, gentlemen. How are you today? Thanks Good. How are you? Good. Hey, you know, uh, you know, I'm your biggest fan here in Florida, North Dakota. So I, I have a question about the the Vikings quarterback situation, if I can. Yep. All right. Well, here, you know, I, I think that you know the Kirk Cousins experiment is, you know, it's it's like a three year chill. You know, I think after, uh, you know, next year, I think it's going to be where it should be, and it's going to get us to where we want to go. But uh, do you think uh, if we get to the ultimate goal, which of course is the Super Bowl, do you think that they'll resign him? Or do you think this year or next year they should try and uh, draft a quarterback uh, to mold into the future? That's my first question. And where do you think the Twins are going to fall this season? And uh, do you think they need to add any more pieces? If they go to the Super Bowl, Kirk Cousins is quarterback, they're going to do everything they can to re-sign him. I can tell you that. But it's also up to him, you know. If, if he has that kind of a year and he hasn't been signed, he'd be quite an open market uh, find. I don't know where I think – I think they'll wait and, and get into the season before they offer them an extension or decide whether they do because they'll base that upon what happens in the draft and who they see out there as free agents. Uh, Dave, I like the Twins to uh, contend again, particularly given what Cleveland has done in, in uh, uh, moving Kluber, et cetera. Uh, I like them to contend uh, and be the favorite in the division this year as well. Yeah, offensively, I don't think anybody stacks up to them. The White Sox have made some nice moves. I somehow think that the, the Twins are going to find a way to complete that deal with uh, with uh, the uh, for the Dodgers uh, for their number three starter. Uh, it may not involve Gratterall. It may not involve Boston. I think they like the idea of where Maiden made it would have fit in, and I think that that's not the end of that. If that doesn't work, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they went out and traded for one more pitcher. Uh, I think they are and should be the favorite in the division. Sid Hartman is now in the house. He made it through on cross-country skis. He came uh, to us. Uh, Brian Lawton will join us soon. Gerson Rosas not far away. You're listening to the Sports Huddle. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Trying to connect with Brian Lawton, Dave Bona in our satellite studio, and Sid Hartman now in studio. Sidney, how are you today? Oh. Hang on. Get that microphone tight. How you doing? I'm okay. Yeah, it's kind of a tough uh, commute in here. What was the weather like coming in? Yeah, tough with all the snow and all this stuff. How about the rules last night? How do you figure that one out? How do you? I mean, uh, Brewers didn't even play. and uh, They went crazy. I understand. but, uh, well, you've made a lot of trades back when you were with the Lakers. What would you think of these trades this week? Pardon me? You made a lot of trades and deals when you were with the Minneapolis Lakers. What did you think of what the Wolves did? Well, they did a real good job. I I think they had nothing 
to go for. I mean, if they didn't make some moves, uh, people wouldn't quit going to the games, all that kind of stuff. I got to give uh, Rosa uh, uh, a, a big uh, – uh, 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 give him a good uh, – A lot of credit. Yeah. Dave Mona, I, I was talking to somebody, and they said, you know, uh, I don't know if this is going to work. Uh, what they did, but we do know what they had was not working, and I guess that's where you kind of start. You know, Mike, yeah, that's an interesting observation. I, I had a chance to watch last night's game, but I watched the visiting broadcast, and it's really an interesting take from time to time. When you know you're so used to your guys and what they have to say, and I think we've got an excellent, outstanding broadcast crew, but to hear the other broadcasting team talk about what was happening to a team they had seen demolish the Timberwolves just about a week earlier and the difference in play and the you know the the style of play and how well the Timberwolves played it was really fascinating to get it through through that point of view and you know I think it was both addition and subtraction Wiggins I hope he has a great career but I think it was time for him to leave the Twin Cities and leave the Timberwolves and I think part of that crowd last night was just saying hey we're ready for something new Sid Andrew Wiggins, how, how do you assess what he did for the Timberwolves? I don't know. I think as it turned out, they made a good deal. He's up and down. We'll see how he does with the Warriors. I mean, uh, if they wrestle this good, nobody knows how good it'll be. But uh, they really wanted him. And uh, it gets some salary cap right now. Get, get, get a really good I don't know. I didn't kind of make make you the deal. Uh, Dave, uh, it's going to be interesting with the Warriors when it's Wiggins, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry. All three had fathers that played against each other at the same time in the NBA. Yeah, you know, when you look at, uh, is it in the genes? Uh, is it uh, nature or nurture? You can make a pretty good case for uh, heredity there. Uh, with that, uh, you know, and you know, the Minnesota ties, you know, it's a little bigger stretch on Wiggins because it was his daughter know, who played for the Lynx. But, uh, you know, Clay Thompson, an outstanding player. Uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when that team comes back. Uh, you know, people said the right things about the good fit. Maybe Wiggins' career will thrive out there. But I think it was time for the Timberwolves to get a fresh start. But, Mike, nobody, nobody thought a fresh start would involve eight or nine new faces. That just doesn't happen. Yeah, and, and Andrew Wiggins, uh, Father Mitchell, I see, they, they actually, the whole family moved here. He played with Jim Pete back oh, in the day right, sure. in, in Houston. And so they've made quite a commitment to Andrew's career here. Sid, the uh, Minnesota Twins have got a deal. They don't have a deal. We're not quite sure. What do you make of the Twins uh, near trade this week? Oh, is it a trade good? <laughs> That's what I'm asking. What do you think? I don't know. I thought there's some question about the trade. Yeah, do you think it's a good deal if they get it done? I'm not sure. If he's the best pitcher in the twin system, why trade him? I mean, uh, they made a deal. I I question the deal. You do question it. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I just think if he's the number one pitcher in their system. Why Why make a trade for him? I, I, I don't know that he is the number one pitcher in their system. That's what I think. I Here's the thing. As everything is good, but they don't have pitching. I mean... Uh, so they went out and got a starter. Even the guys they kept uh, are a question mark. Well, I they, mean, Jake... Uh, Jake Odorizzi, Jose Barrios, you're talking about? Okay. 
there were a question mark at the end of the season, and it'll be a question mark next year, the top pitcher that they have. Yeah, and Dave, I think all of us would concur. We'd love to see that ace, that top-line guy. Uh, it didn't happen, and, and so you go to plan B. Yeah, and you know, they got a guy who would be penciled in as their number three starter, whether or not that, that happens. Mike, I, I agree with something you just said sort of in passing. I'm not sure reading between the lines that Gratterall is any more than number one. I mean, he could be great. He got up to 103 miles an hour last year. He, he can do so many things. But they've got a couple of other pitchers that they are really, really high on. And that's probably why they felt comfortable putting one of their top prospects out there and able to get somebody who could go right into their rotation. Yeah, for for sure. And, and uh, like I said, you never know how everybody's being evaluated there. And obviously, you also look at a window here, Sid, where, you know, you got a short window in all sports. And, and right now, you know you've got Nelson Cruz and a big offense behind you. Uh, you may want to go for that starting pitcher and try to win it right now. Well, they're going to score a lot of runs. Let's face a fact. They added this new new guy. Although he's 34 years old. Donaldson, yeah. Huh? How do you know if he can have another year like he had last year and the year before? Why has he been in four clubs in, a, in the last five years? Why is that? Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. If he's a better third baseman than Sano, that's an improvement. Does Sano go over first base? That solves the problem. But everything, a $64 question until they prove it. Yeah, yeah, everybody knows he can hit. You make your valid points with different teams. Same with D'Angelo Russell. Uh, Dave, four different teams in his young NBA career. Donaldson, four teams in the last four years. Those are legitimate questions. Yeah, it's hard to imagine Russell's been on that many teams and still be as young as he is. You think, well, he's a he's a veteran. He's been around a long time. That's not true. His his moves have been fairly quick. Donaldson's, you know, most of his have come a little bit later in his, his career. One of the things said that he's not proven at third base. Well, I would argue with that. I think Donaldson, uh, even as recently as last year, all the metrics say he's still one of the best fielding third basemen in the league. And I think that, you know, can Sano play first? That's a legitimate question. But I think the the other side, the left side of the Twins infield defensively, just got a whole lot better with the addition of Donaldson. All right, we've raised the questions. We'll give you some answers the rest of the way. Gerson Rosas not far away, the architect behind the Timberwolves deals. You're listening to the Sports Huddle with Sid, Dave, and Mike. Hey, it's Gerson Rosas. 9.30 to noon, the Sports Huddle each and every Sunday comes your way. Gerson Rosas, President of Basketball Operations for the Minnesota Timberwolves, joins us now in what has been a busy and exhausting week for him and the entire organization. Gerson, Take us through, if you can, uh, this last week. Give, give us some inside basketball on how this stuff goes down. Say, say as you sat last Sunday at, at this same time, and, and what evolved over the week, what you knew was going to come to fruition, what you didn't know, whatever you can tell us and share with us in terms of a very fascinating week in Timberwolves history. First off, I appreciate you guys having me on this morning, and uh, it has been an exciting week. Um, our staff deserves an unbelievable amount of credit. Uh, we were very diligent in our preparations. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we were prepared for any opportunities. And, you know, you always do the work. You just never know if you're going to be able to see the results of the efforts. And this week, with the support of Glenn Taylor and the organization, they gave us every resource to be aggressive and to activate our plan. And uh, one by one, uh, things fell in our way. Uh, the big trade this week really set things up for us, and it started a shift of change 
that we needed for this organization. And then the aggressiveness that we showed uh, to bring D'Angelo to Minnesota, I I personally felt it was uh, a major step forward in terms of who we want to be, what we want to be about. And you have to take those risks. You got to take those bets in order to change your destiny. Did you know when you made the first wave of trades that D'Angelo was going to be waiting at the end as a prize, or was that still up in the air? Yeah, it was still up in the air. I mean, we had conversations the whole way, and uh, you know, you didn't know if it was going to happen or not. But we felt confident about our estimation of what we were willing to do, what the market was willing to do, and we felt that we were the team that never wanted him the most and uh, had done the most work for it. So it's always very beneficial when those dots connect and you're able to execute on the deal. How much will Wiggins help the salary cap? Um, you know, I think the the deal was pretty neutral. Uh, I think Wiggins and uh, D'Angelo pretty much made the same amount of money. Uh, we, we did the peak trade early where we cleared another roster spot and we created some cap flexibility to do this type of deal because we figured that Golden State wanted to get under the tax and we wanted to be in position to help them. Dave? You know, Gerson, it's so easy to concentrate on the offense last night because it was so much fun with all the threes, et cetera. But I was making notes watching the game, knowing we talked to you this morning. I wanted you to talk about the baseline defense. I think that we have had poor baseline defense, and particularly Johnson and uh, Gomez last night. I thought time and again they took away the baseline, and that was a tremendous improvement. Uh, that's a great that's a great perspective, Dave. I, I would tell you, as you all know, defense is is a team objective, and that's a big area we've got to get better at. And we've got some guys that are growing and developing and finding their identity on that end. But this trade was made strategically for all the individuals that are here because we really felt like they could build our identity, as you said, not just on offense or defense, but you could go down the line. Beasley's a two way player who's got a lot of athleticism and juice. I think now Kogi and Culver are situated in better in better places where they can contribute what they do best, which is defensively and continue to grow their offensive game. Uh, you had a guy in there with uh, James Johnson with his toughness and his edge and his ability to impact the game. And I really feel like Hernan Gomez is a perfect complement to Carl uh, at the four. Uh, so that's exciting to us. And in addition, you know, Jake Lehman's a guy who's working his way back. And when we can add him, You've got a structure of, of guys that, that are tough, competitive, know how to defend, and I think overall as a team, that's going to be able to help us to be more balanced on both ends. What do you ask Ryan Saunders for the last 31 games or whatever it is, and how do you evaluate uh, him as well? Uh, those games are critically important for us. Uh, we're, we're continuing. I've said it from the beginning. This year is about building identity. It's building character. It's building habits. And it was painful, you know, these, these first 50 games. It was painful to, you know, to go through the growing pains. Uh, but as I've said often, you have to know who you are. You have to know what you have. And you have to know what you need. And Ryan's been an unbelievable partner. He's executed the vision day in and day out. It was our job to add more talent to the base. And we've done this the past week uh, with the, the players that we've brought in that are more systematically fit for what we want to do. So these 30 games, the reality is for us is we're building uh, the foundation of a sustainable organization. And every day matters to us. Finishing strong is very important. And, you know, see how see, see what we can do the rest of the year. But it goes in the, into the summer and into next season. What we do now impacts our future every day. We have a point. Tired now, do you think? 
You have point guard, yes, and that's going to be D'Angelo Russell, obviously, ultimately. Yeah, yeah, no, we. I think D'Angelo, we, we evaluate it as a great fit uh, to run our offense, a great compliment to Carl, uh, but it's interesting. I mean, you guys saw last night uh, the great work our coaches have done, our staff has done development-wise with a guy like Jordan McLaughlin and the versatility of a guy like James Johnson who served as our backup point guard last night. So we've added more playmaking. We've added more versatility, um, but D'Angelo's our point guard, and we're excited about what he can do to, to, to run our offense and to make our players great. Dave? Yeah, you know, Gerson, when uh, you mentioned McLaughlin, and you just can't say enough about it. I mean, kid, a free agent, uh, you know, NBA debut this year, rookie, uh, signed a two-way contract. I thought he played so well, but one thing that worked so well last night was pace. I mean, the more that I looked at the movement of the ball, the way to secure the open threes, the quick releases on the threes, it was just a delightful game to watch. And I think for those fans who suffered for a long time, good for them turning out the numbers that they did. And they were rewarded with a really fun basketball game to watch. No, the, the fans were outstanding last night. And it was so, so great that we were able to deliver, a, you know, a high quality game for them because we felt the energy. I mean, it was electric in there. Uh, full house. People were into it. Our players were excited about it, and you guys saw D'Angelo's comments to it. Uh, but that's, you know, that's that's what we have. We have a modern NBA program now, and pace. To your point, Davis, it's it's a big part of what we're going to do. And I would say we played faster last night, but we're nowhere near where we want to be. And now we have the play pieces in place that will allow us not only to play fast offensively, but fast defensively. And there's still there will be some growing pains. You know, we've got we've basically got you know ten new players on the roster. Uh, we we've turned things over pretty aggressively, but it's with a purpose. It's about the future. It's about building a foundation. Is the opportunity to do something different. And Minnesota and these fans deserve it. So we hope to continue to see them because we've got an exciting ride coming up. Gerson, I asked you this question at the press conference yesterday when we were sitting around talking. Uh, explain, who is D'Angelo Russell? You know, we, we've seen him from afar. I remember him lighting up the Gophers and going, this is one big-time talent when he was in college, then you kind of lose track of him. He, he was in the, you know, with the Lakers and the Nets and Golden State. Uh, he was unbelievable when he played here earlier this season for Golden State in one game. He just put on a show. Uh, but you know him as the person, the point guard, the whatever. Or you've gotten to know him. Uh, explain who is he, what do you expect from him, what kind of a leader can he be, all those things. And he's a 23-year-old all-star uh, in the NBA who's proven to be successful in this style of play. Uh, so for us, he's you know one of our core pieces. He's a guy that complements our best player in Carl offensively. Uh, their versatility and their impact on the game is huge. I think we have a guy now who's committed and who's got a, has a chip on his shoulder and is looking for a home, and Minnesota's that place for him. And I think we're going to embrace him, we're going to challenge him, and we're going to maximize him to help him be the best player he can be so we can be the best organization we can be. But anytime you can, you, you can look at, at your roster and know that you've got your two best players or you know, 24 and under, um, they've had a great level of individual success, and they're ready for team success. It's exciting, uh, you know, where we're at and what the future holds. You want complementary talent, and those guys are guys that complement each other on the court, uh, but they also have a relationship and can challenge themselves off the court. So for us, um, you know, we've, we've, we've added to our talent base. We added a point guard that we desperately needed, and now we have the opportunity to really see over time our vision come to reality. How much will these new guys make sound better? 
How much did what? How much will the new guys make Towns better? Uh, I think immensely. Um, immensely. I think, you know, overall, our ability to play faster is going to help him and take some of the pressure off him. I think defensively, the toughness, the grit, the physicality, something he needed around him. Um, you know, we, we needed to change our DNA, and these guys bring another level of uh, competitiveness. I mean, you guys saw it last night, the energy and, and the focus is, is something that we were lacking, and uh, I think that'll help him, and that'll challenge all of us. You know, we have high expectations, and we have big objectives, uh, but we haven't done anything. And now that there's been changes, you know, as we, as we continue to move forward, it's on all of us to continue to do the right things to have success. Dave? You know, one of the fun things is I think you've certainly kept your word to the, the kids playing in in, um, Illinois, or in Iowa saying, hey, I mean, you play well, you're going to get a chance. You look at last night McLaughlin, the point guard, Naz Reed came in and the contributions he made. There are guys down there that probably nobody was paying a whole lot of attention to that make this a stronger team from top to bottom. Uh, when I took this job, Dave, you know, I, I talked about how critical – Iowa was going to be to our success, and uh, not only as a, a, a development arm, but also as a place for our players to get better. And that's not going to change. That's going to continue. We're going to continue to add young talent to that program. John Luca and Sam deserve a ton of credit because they're running a great program there, and they're making our players better. I mean, one of the biggest moves that, that we made was moving on from Gorgie Diang, who's been a great Timberwolf. It was to create an opportunity for Nas Reed because we knew he was ready. And those guys did all the work they could to make sure that he was prepared to take advantage of this opportunity. And that's our future. And we're creating ways for these young guys to play because they're doing the work and preparing themselves to contribute. Sid, tell him what he's won for being on the show. Oh, get him a, we're going to get you a murder certificate, Mr. (laughs) Thank you, Sid. I was disappointed you weren't at the press conference. You didn't make it official. Uh, I'm having a... But he was there with you in spirit, and he, he was critiquing every move, just so you know. <laughs> no doubt. Thanks, Gerson. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. You bet. Gerson Rosas, nice enough to join us. Uh, we can take some phone calls here for a bit. 651-989-9226. 651-989-9226. Your thoughts on the Wolves trade. Your thoughts on the Twins trade in progress. Your thoughts on the Minnesota Wild trying to make a run. Should they buy? Should they sell? The Gophers, bring it all on. Sports. The sports huddle with Sid, Dave, and Mike. Welcome back, Sports Huddle. Glenn Taylor will join us in the 11 o'clock hour, but in our uh, amongst the owners in town, Jim Polat is another one. He is, of course, the owner of the Minnesota Twins, and Sid Hartman had a chance to sit down and visit with him. Talk about the story of signing Donaldson. How did it all start, and how did you get involved? Well, I mean, you hear, I, I mean, from my standpoint, you hear all these names at the, right after the season ends. You hear all the names of potential um, marquee free agents, and, of course, he's clearly one of them. And then you just see how the process goes. I mean, I would say that they're, they were interested in all the marquee free agents, but, you know, just discussions go along. Some stick and some don't. We're really lucky to get Josh. Never, never turned somebody down on, on a contract like that? Well, uh, no, I mean, it comes with the recommendation of Derek. So, uh, you know, we, we, that's, that's, that's my main uh, judgment point, if they recommend it. And, you know, I know I know what his discipline is and all that. So if he feels good about it, we feel good about it. How long a process was that? Well, I mean, like I said, they all start all this stuff. 
I can't say the exact date after the end of the season or after the World Series ends. But, you know, it's pretty quick after that, and some things just take a bit longer. I mean, clearly he had he was looking at other clubs also, including the one he was just with. So, But we're really happy he chose the Twins. Talk about last year. How much fun was that season? And it surprised you how well the team did. Well, you know, I mean, you've been around this long time, and I've been around a shorter time, but still quite a while, and you realize the season is just a series of ups and downs. And fortunately, last year we had way more ups than downs. It would have been nice to end the season on a literal up, but it was a really it was really fun, and we did it exceed our expectations. Uh, you know, I'm not sure about that. I always have high expectations. What do you have to do to beat the Yankees? I'm sorry. What do you have to do to beat the Yankees? Well, I don't. We have just, what do we have to do to to win the World Series? It's not about beating the Yankees. They're a really good team, and there was a bunch of other really good teams in there. So we just have to be better than any of them because we could face any of them. We'll have to face all of them basically in order to get to the World Series and win it. How do you feel about the job your manager did? Well, I mean, clearly, I love Rocco, I love Derek, and I love Thad, and all the other folks that associate themselves with it and they're in the front office i mean but rocco is a special person i think and you know he's really well deserving of the manager of the year award and you know i just i hope we have a really long association i believe it will be how about all the player injuries last year you gotta get healthy you know i think every club faces that throughout the year and I don't, I don't think any of them were devastating. I mean, compared to some other clubs like Cleveland and so forth, they had some really devastating injuries, and we haven't had that. We had some significant ones, but they're going to happen every year. You know that. Were you disappointed in losing coaches like your bench coach and hitting coach? Well, I think that's, uh, I mean, it sounds really maybe uh, surprising to hear this, but I think that's something we aspired to as an organization people wanting others that are in our organization to be in their organization. I think that, that's a compliment to Derek, and, and I, it, but it gets back to the quality of those people. And we, uh, So I like that. I don't, like, don't want to lose anybody, but when somebody could advance their career in a situation where the, the other team really wants them, I think it's a, a positive. You had your highest attendance since 2013. Do you expect that still to grow? Yeah, I think there's room to grow. I mean, we know, everybody knows that the, those early months of a season are challenging from an attendance standpoint, no matter how good the team is. Uh, it just, it's tough in April and early May. It's just, it's hard. I mean, I go to the, all the games. There's some days when it's freezing, even though I'm sitting up. Uh, and just is not as attractive as going in late May, June, July, August. And September, of course, is hopefully always fueled by a pennant race, so that's good. How do you feel about the job Fayville and Levine did? Well, I mean, like I said, I'm just totally on board with Derek and with Thad and everybody else. I think they built a great organization. That's I, I, That is a World Series caliber organization that we have, and it's thanks to Derek building it. How important was it signing a player like Sano? Well, I think that's all part of you. You know, you want some of these players. It's got to be. A, it's a two-way street, and if a player wants to be here their whole career and aspires to that, it, it's a lot 
that's a huge first step towards signing a longer-term contract, and it provides them a, a degree of security that, you know, that some of the players, some players really appreciate. A degree of security, $30 million. <laughs> Isn't that something? That's more than a degree of security, but it is Major League Baseball right now. Talking about Miguel Sano. That was Jim Polad and Sid Hartman. Uh, an interview I think they did after the Donaldson press conference a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, giving us the latest on how Jim feels about the state of the state. Glenn Taylor, Dave St. Peter, Ethan Cassins, and much more in the 11 o'clock hour. Stay with us. You're listening to the Sports Huddle with Sid, Dave, and Mike. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.